Welcome to Tales of an Outdoor Rider. Mark Freeman, Outdoor Rider for the Mail Tribune and host of Oregon Outdoors on KTVL Channel 10 in Medford. As usual, back in our little comfort zone, these upstairs, upstairs bar, Four Daughters Irish Pub in downtown Medford with Jamie Lush, my partner in crime, on the outdoor beat. I've been gone a little while, had a couple vacations. Uh, you had a little one, I had a little one. It kind of got, got in the way of our production schedule. I've got to take a vacation every now and then. Yeah, like I always say, you know, outdoor writers do on vacation. We go sit in other people's cubicles just to get away from it all. <laughs> <laughs> Today I want to talk about kind of an adventurous day we had last week. That uh, It was a day of uh, hunting big things slightly above sea level and slightly below sea level. So we started actually below sea level. Got aboard uh, Miss Brook with Captain Annie Martin to go hunt big lingcod in the fall. You know, normally people catch lings in the spring and summer, but they move in real close to shore in the fall and uh, you can get them in real shallow water, even as little as 15 feet. So we got on there and we had a great time jigging for a lingcod. <laughs> Getting paid to go fishing assignments. Yeah, it was. I, I like these. I kind of felt bad for you though, because it's like I'm catching all these rockfish and I got a big ling and you're just working the camera the whole time. Yeah, now they're on this video beat, it's, you know, it's quite a bit more pressure to make sure we get it. So I have to get, get the video done, it, it, get the it, still done, so then I can play. It's <laughs> just a lot, a lot more work to do the double dip, do TV and newsprint at the same time. But it was great. You know, we were jigging. First of all, we were jigging. I was jigging a just a standard shrimp fly rig and catching a bunch of black rockfish and had doubles and triples. There were just fish everywhere. Got one big ling, about 12, 13 pounds. It's just perfect for television. How deep were you on that one? Yet? I think it was like no more than 30 feet. Yeah, so we're talking about vacations. I'm just coming back from Alaska where we were fishing for a halibut and I think it was like 500 feet of water with five pound weights. So dropping down 50 feet is quite a bit yeah. more fun. <laughs> In fact, a lot more fun. Yeah, I was fishing um, just a little uh, spinning rod with a four ounce uh, weight on the bottom. It was it was awesome. Yeah, way cool. And then I had a, big, a little bit bigger ring when I got that ling, and it was it hit hard. It just bam, bam, bam. And you know those lings, they don't run around a lot, but uh, you know they they keep running down, and, and it was nice and ugly perfect fish and yeah just good video super flat day nice day we ran all the way out to Arch Rock just north of Brookings about 45 minute run and just fish on all the rocks and all the kelp bed it was it was really cool he had he had four uh, other dudes with him so we got good interviews it was a nice piece check it out in the paper but yeah I did feel bad for you and you know you you did get a chance to cast for blacks for a little while yeah, well, I shouldn't have felt bad for me for too long after that, uh, that big old salmon I caught. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. That's, it's like, hey, you know, Andy puts another rod down. I'm like, hey, give it to... Give it to. Are you going to the Guinness? Oh, you're not running. I'm you all set. I've got it downstairs. He just poured it himself. Uh, That's what I was waiting for downstairs. Gotcha. I get it. Okay. <laughs> but I'm sure I'll need... I was like, oh, my God, he did that. I'm sure I'll need another here pretty soon. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah so Andy's got this rod on. I'm like, hey... Give it to uh, Jamie, and, and it just tucked that thing over, and you just grabbed it, and what happened? I was basically on there when I grabbed it. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty happy. It was like, my, okay, I've got enough film. My turn to fish, and he hands me this rod, and it's like, grr, grr, grr. I'm like, uh-oh, there's something, something real's on here. And the first run was 
was pretty epic. And I'm like, I don't think this is a Lincoln. Yeah, I thought for sure. I thought at the beginning it was just a massive Ling. And then when it <laughs> ran under the boat the way it did, I thought, and it ran out. Yeah, no, long sustained runs, like all, you know, out all directions, un, not like a Lincoln. Bike. And you were <laughs> totally putting the screws to him, too, because oh, you yeah. had that heavy tighten, rod. Tighten the drag down, the works. And then the thing got on the surface. and <laughs> We did. got a good look at it. Yeah. And he goes, it's a 50-pounder. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm not sure about that, but it was... Uh, and he said, he was guessing low 40s, and I was thinking 40. And Yeah. The, the first Chinook, you, the fall Chinook you see of the year, you're always, it's a little bigger than it, it actually is. It was probably about 35 pounds, that but thing just was, a gorgeous fish. That thing yeah. was super fat, though. Oh, yeah, it was a, just a toad. You know it's headed to Chetco, and it's just waiting for some rain. Yeah. I had a little color on it, too. I'm headed down there uh, this weekend. Maybe I'll catch it and get to keep it this time. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. So, you know, Link Cotter's this amazing marine success story. You know, they're big fish, really prized by the commercial industry and the sport guys for decades. Uh, they got overfished so much that they were fished down at just 9% of their pre-fishing mass in the Pacific. And it triggered a... Uh, clause in the Magnuson Act that they had to, the federal government had to rebuild that stock within 10 years, which uh, even if it meant shutting fishing down. And that was a, a 97 survey showed that they were at 9% of their historic. 9% it's time to get oh, you know, do something. Yeah. And so, you know, we almost lost the season in 1999 and 2000 cutbacks are so great that it was a one fish limit with a slot between 24 and 34 and the fish really responded. It's strange because, you know, most, uh, Bottom fish are real slow growing. Like you can catch a, a canary rockfish that's 20 years old, but lingcod seem to grow in the same growth rates as salmon. So a 15-pound lingcod is like four years old. So they rebounded really well, and by 2006 they were declared recovered. And we're going out there now. You can catch lings year-round, and they're they're just everywhere. Sometimes it's funny. You know, Oregon is the only place you can rockfish in the winter. You know, uh, Washington, California can't do it. Uh, especially for lings, and there's a lot of people who think that uh, you know fishing on lings in the winter is bad news because you know, you're picking off these real aggressive males that are garden the nest, garden egg nests, yeah. And it turns out the data just isn't true. You know, went through some ODFW reports and uh, talked to uh, Maggie Sommer. Uh, she runs a marine program for the Department of Fish and Wildlife, and the data shows that even with all these catches that sport and commercial are doing now. We still can't even fill the quotas that we're getting from the Pacific Fishery Management Council. So we're not filling quotas. The quotas keep going up, and because the lingcod population keeps increasing, even though we're fishing on them in winter. So you don't have to feel guilty at all to go out in November or December or January and whack a couple of big lings. Okay, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't seem too worried about it at the time. No, they're tasty. Yeah. So what would you do with yours? Uh, I bred a mine... Um and fried them with, I like a pound up a Ritz cracker batter and then uh, you dip it in egg and, and dip it in the, in the Ritz cracker yeah. and, and fry it up with tartar sauce, just fish and chip style, man, yeah. it's so good. I did that too, but I used panko mm -hmm. and uh, had the kids over and we had two fish fries and I still got a big chunk of black rockfish left. Yeah, we got a healthy supply left too, yeah. good stuff. Yeah, great day in the water, a lot of fun. Hey, anytime you can get a flat day in the ocean in the winter, you got to take total advantage of it. Yeah, for the guy who gets seasick, I was definitely happy. Yeah, that's that. the first time you've kept lunch to, to yourself uh, on the ocean. That on a story, it's since we've started working together. Yeah, calm seas and some dramamine. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, got a limit of blacks and uh, killed one ling and had a good day. Had a little lunch and then we uh, headed south to Crescent City, doing a story on redwoods. 
Yeah, I had this bright idea that we're going to go all the way to Brookings. We might as well try to get a couple stories done out of the way, you know, double dip a little bit. And Mark, sure enough, found another story. And well, it's interesting. You, you said Redwoods. And I thought, oh, yeah, what are we going to do? A little kind of quiet fall day in the Redwoods. That's kind of nice. But it turns out um, we end up hooking up with the, the Jedediah Smith State Parks Conservancy Group, and they're trying to raise $3.5 million to build this walkway in the Grove of Titans. Now, the Grove of Titans is a really magical place. It was just, it's got three or four of the top ten uh, largest Pacific or coastal redwood trees ever seen. It's biggest not just by height, but by mass of wood. A good one, yeah. which turned out to be... And they were discovered just 20 years ago by these big tree hunters, and it was a real kind of a quiet, hush-hush place. Uh, but it's just been overrun in, in recent years by people. And they've been climbing up these red these redwoods to get pictures, you know, against these trees and everything. And so there's there's no trails to them, right? Yeah. So way, how do you find them? Well, um, there is a, there is some some bogus just public trails that aren't they're just made these rogue trails to get into there. Um, so the the park people have been kind of fighting this thing battle for a while, and they just decided, well, let's just build something a trail, uh, above ground trail suspended walkway in and out of there so people can see these things and stay off the duff and keep, keep from messing with them and it was a really cool story you know it was, it was kind of straight it was kind of near, it's kind of near uh, Stout Grove which is where everybody goes for the big redwoods off 199 just a couple miles uh, further in from there and that was a cool story you know yeah it, t- it turns out trying to photograph these massive trees and video them and, and give them context to show how big they are with people is really hard because they're so big I couldn't zoom out far enough where it didn't just look like earth in the background. I mean, yeah. they're, they're that big. Yeah. I couldn't back up enough. I know. It's just these monsters. It was so quiet, too. Yeah, it was really cool back It was there. cool. It was, it was so weird going from, you know, killing stuff below sea level to doing this kind of woo story out in the Redwoods. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely quite the day. It, it was pretty much hit our range. As far as we could go, but so Mark didn't tell me quite how far the Grove of Titans were away, or how yeah. much bushwhacking we were going to have to do. So I needed to get stills and uh, you know bring the video camera and the tripod. So Mark carried the tripod. I carried you know what twenty pound bag on one side with video gear, twenty pound bag on the other side with my photo gear. And you know, I think it was a mile and a half in there, so well, far enough. <laughs> uh, about a half mile in, I ended up with the uh, camera bag as well. Yeah, <laughs> Jeez. and I go from Sherpa to on on-air talent like at a drop of a dime and it was so dark in there it was really hard to shoot wasn't it yeah i couldn't believe it was i don't know like three o'clock so there was, yeah. the sun was up high enough but that those giant trees block out i don't know what percentage of the light but basically all of it so i had maxed out the equipment just trying to be able to see anything it was so dark and i left the one bag behind we had this cool woman from named joanna from the conservancy it was really good she was really helpful she even slept a little bit of gear. Yeah, I made her there. carry a bag on the way out. She offered, and I said, sure, here you go. <laughs> it's a good story. Check that out. It'll be in next week, the first week of December, in uh, Oregon Outdoors, in the Mail Tribune, and on KTVL. Well, that's what we got for you today. If you like what you hear, share it with your friends. If you don't like it, share it with your enemies. Either way, you can always come down to Fort Otters here and buy me a beer. Thanks a lot. See you in the outdoors. <laughs>